Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Football Rambles Guide 2. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm the very first Pete Donaldson. The World Cup is the jewel in football's crown. Billions watch it, millions travel to it, billions are spent on it. It's the most popular sporting event on the planet. But it wasn't always this way. Just over 90 years ago, the first edition of the World Cup was held in Uruguay. After football was kicked off the programme at the Olympics, the newly formed gatekeepers of football, FIFA, decided to act fast with a new competition. What followed was an extraordinary spectacle of chaos, brawling and remarkable individual stories. From Uruguay's one-armed superstar to Romania's midfielder who came back from the dead, these stories have to be heard to be believed. So settle in, because this is the Football Rambles guide to the first ever World Cup. Greetings, one and all. Here we are with, with, with a guide that my giddy aunt throws up some stories. There it is. And for those listen, mm. younger listeners, yeah. just to put this to bed right now, mm. no, me and Andy do not remember this World Cup. No. <laughs> my nan was 18. Was she? Yeah. I was only a baby in arms. This week marks 93 years since the very first World Cup began in 1930. That's the big one. That is the big one. 93. 
Yes. Yeah. Do you get a telegram from the Queen? What are you doing for your king? 93rd anniversary? Do you get a telegram from the Queen? <laughs> She's passed <laughs> on, Peter. Well, you What's might have done a It's quite a big deal. <laughs> well, Andy, the, the, the World Cup, of course, was, was first set up by FIFA president Jules Remit, uh, Rimmit, or Rimmit. Jules Rimet, as you may know him. Um, uh, he was inspired by the success of Olympic football tournaments um, and Olympic football tournaments continue to inspire us, mm. of course. Football um, was going to be dropped from the Olympics in 1932. So big Jules saw a gap in the market. <laughs> yeah. uh, because, I, because it was you know, a big deal on 24 and 28, right? It was for Uruguay. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Uruguay, of course, won the 1924 and 1928 gold medals. Um, so, so they consider themselves to be uh, you know, around that time, the best footballing team in the world. Mm. Uh, they would go on to prove that, of course. It was when Spain won three tournaments in a row, the Euros in 08, the World Cup in, in 2010, and the Euros in 2012. People say, oh, that's the first side to win three major tournaments in a row. And Uruguay went, ah, 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 mm. hang about there. Because mm. they said that mm. the uh, Olympic tournament back in those days was a sort of de facto uh, World Cup for football, of course. It's funny that they were the ones saying that. Very much yeah. so. Like, did, did that happen? But they got selected to be host, presumably because they were so good. That's right. And and I don't think it's imp- I don't think it's possible to overstate in nineteen thirty yeah. how much of a big deal being a host was. And how diff- and how difficult it was to get down there. You wait till you hear how long it took some of these teams <laughs> and, tell, and then tell me yeah. that it didn't affect it. Right enough. Some um, of them didn't even turn up. Yeah. Well well and some reports uh, say that um England weren't invited because they weren't part of FIFA at the time. The others say that England were invited but refused. Uh, as they opposed the tournament, they were not having this. Lots Get of... Brexit done, exactly. Get it done. Um, uh... I take nineteen twenty Uruguay over what we got at the moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> very similar. That's this, this decade they got their shit together, and yeah. we're just dismantling ours. Yeah. Well, the modern Olympic founder Baron de Coubertin, uh, the big Baron, as I call him, um, <laughs> he Germany and Denmark uh, opposed the tournament as well because professionals were allowed to play. But most of the players <laughs> were amateur then, though, right? Yeah, I'd, uh, they, they were. Yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, that was the spirit of the Olympics. Yes, uh, and it still is. Um, oh in yeah, some full, regards. Of, full of amateur. In some regards, yeah. in some regards. Yeah, Eric the Eel. It's, <laughs> it's remarkable. Eddie the Eagle. Why are they all named after animals? <laughs> after ones, those ones. Those particular ones <laughs> yeah. were. Yeah. It's remarkable when you contextualise it like this. You yeah. know, the, the Germany didn't have professional football in, until what thirty years after this. Mm. It was Germany's 60s, a particularly strange yeah. one. The Bundesliga was the sixties, right? Yeah, very late on. We're not yeah. here to talk about that, chaps. I'm no. afraid Germany weren't involved in this tournament at all. Hence, no. they didn't win it. <laughs> so we can get behind it. That's why we can get behind it. <laughs> um, now, the tournament uh, was intended to be a knockout, but uh, unfortunately, only 13 teams were involved. So I thought, oh, we're going to have to have a little rethink here. Yeah, because Egypt quite literally missed the boat. Well, Egypt were supposed to join, but they set off late, and yeah, they missed the boat—a connecting boat, I assume. Yeah, a lot of teams. Um, Shared a, the same boat traveling there. Yeah, it did the rounds. Quite yeah. a cool thing. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. the European teams. I mean, you get how, how are you I'm, getting down I'm there? I'm imagining a party boat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm imagining like a proper like <laughs> booze cruise type thing. Well, we'll get there. Was one of those a little bit later? We will right. get to that. Um, so the tournament was arranged in three groups of three uh, and one group of four, with the winner of each group progressing to the semi-finals. So that's that's how they did it. Nice and so, simple. Nice and simple, <laughs> Let's Peter. Keep it like that. Remember, Where's your seedings? It's the first one. I know. It's trailblazing mm. stuff. So among the 13 nations, there were four European sides, Yugoslavia, France, uh, Netherlands and Romania. And, and and as you said, look, they all sailed together across the Atlantic and aboard a Scottish steamship uh, called the Conte Verde. Classic Scottish name. Uh, yeah. for, for a couple <laughs> and, of weeks it took. And the Romanian squad was yeah. personally selected by the king. That's right. 
Which is an amazing thing. It's lovely old job. <laughs> Imagine old King Charles doing the England squad. Imagine now. if he just wasn't across things. Yeah. He's like, well, I, mean, I think he was forced to abdicate ten years later. So <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, is that why Romania's a republic yeah, now? Perhaps, yeah. perhaps so what, what would be the deal? Would it be Harry Kane and twenty-five Aston Villa players? Well, no, because he's not the king yet. He's not the king. Prince William. Oh, not the come king on, yet. he'd be having a word. Would would Charlie, Charlie, Charlie would be asking him for tips. Prince William. Mm. Prince, he can pick the Wales team, and I'm sure they'd be very happy with that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> didn't even go to. Didn't even. Go to uh, to um, to wish them good luck before the World Cup, which right. was uh, which was noticed. But anyway, so so the Scottish steamship uh, also stopped off in Rio to pick up the Brazilians on the way to Europe, <laughs> right? which which is superb. Jules Romay himself was on board yeah. uh, because presumably that was the only ship going down that uh, neck of the woods at the time, and he had the World Cup trophy in a suitcase uh, with him. Just grab it off him and win it. Yeah, I think there was <laughs> money in the bank. <laughs> Um, it took about six months for workers, over a thousand workers, day and night, to get the the, the, the big stadium ready. It in, wasn't on time either. In the, it never is. When is a World Cup ever on but, time? But so talk, that is a tradition. When you talk, yeah, when you talk about the Uruguay World Cup, really, we're talking about the Montevideo World Cup. Right? Yeah, we are. We all are. three stadiums they used were in Montevideo. Yeah, yeah. One of them wasn't ready, which meant I think the Uruguayan first game had to be delayed by five days, something like that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, incredible stuff. Well, 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 France beat Mexico four one in the first ever World Cup match. I love that Mexico were involved in the first World Cup match. The most World Cup of teams. And of course, France, you know, started the World Cup with Jules Rimet. Only a thousand were in in attendance. They did miss um, uh, one of the goalkeepers getting kicked in the jaw uh, and uh, had to be replaced by um, a midfielder. And when I say replaced, a midfielder dropped back into goal. Didn't have substitutes, of course. No. You didn't need them back in those days. You know, there were no injuries and stuff. I mean, this this was the case for several World Cups after. Many World Cups, uh, yeah, absolutely right. A lot affected by the lack of substitutes. Yes, um, there was controversy. Would um, would dog France at this World Cup um, in their second match versus Argentina? Uh, the referee blew his whistle six minutes early um, as a France striker was through on goal. <laughs> which uh, I mean, there was a referee at uh, the African Cup of Nations who blew up. Was it like a minute and a half early or something mm, like that? Yeah. Forget it was only fewer but... excuses when you got a Apple iWatch or whatever you call Indeed, it. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For six minutes, Peter. <laughs> that is piss poor. And I, I always think that people were much more um, better behaved back in in uh, in you know decades gone by. Mm. Although you know, nineteen thirties and yeah, I should sure have really revised right. that yeah. anyway. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so. Um, when this happened, apparently lots of people ran on the pitch in anger and mounted police had to uh, intervene to restore order. You think, bloody hell, we, yeah, we don't have that at World Cups anymore, <laughs> do we? <Yeah. laughs> this is just making me think of the great Uruguayan tradition of uh, Edinson Cavani on horseback. Ooh, mm. maybe where it started. Oh, okay. I imagine his, his, his granddad charging on the pitch to get, get all the fans <laughs> well, out. And, and after half an hour of madness, the game was restarted to finish off the 90 minutes. Argentina still won 1-0. <laughs> but did they restart it with the, with the fella going through on goal? Right, everyone <laughs> resume your position. Well, everyone stand where they were. Yeah. N- Nazzle style. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But, but, but the, the, the whole point of this amateurish nation, nature of it, I guess there's not as many checks and balances because mm. there's only a very select amount of grainy footage from the final itself mm. available nothing else I think was filmed as far as I know and so I guess there you know, there wasn't as many people there to hold them to account it happened um, didn't the British and Irish Lions or the British Lions as they were then went to South Africa in I think the 70s yeah and it was notoriously corrupt for millions of different reasons which I won't go into but I think they used local referees then Right. And when the British Lions were about to go over the try line to win to win the series, <laughs> the referee just blew up. Did he? 
and there was a massive controversy. <laughs> I think this stuff just maybe did go on a lot because it wasn't being filmed, of course, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, so there was yeah. no real way of, it of a, proving it. Yeah, well, it, and it's and it's a great shame that because again we go on the reports, but you talked about the amateur na- nature of it. Well, maybe they try to. Um, counterbalance that uh, in that the referees uh, were wearing suits and ties <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it yeah. something to grab hold of isn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's superb some of the some of the sartorial choices if referees wore that now would yeah. the players respect them more I don't know I don't know there was also reports huh. that the, the Bolivian side played in berets Surely not. There was. Well, I, I would say Google it, but you can't. I'll tell, tell you what did happen. And obviously, you're going to come on to the final. But just while you're talking about sartorial choices, mm. one of the keepers in the finals definitely got her cloth cap on. Ah, oh, but that's, that's, that's fine. Yeah, that yeah. was happening. The whole outfield players, right? goalkeepers, and caps. Yeah, that was happening. Oh, nice. That was happening up to the seventies, apparently. Marcus. It was, wasn't it? Cloth cap. I think like Peaky Blinders caps. Yeah, I in the, in, yeah. I think he might have a point. Yes. <laughs> Finally, fair enough. Fair enough. On a, on a guide too short. And, and you, 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 just to pick up on that amateurish thing, the Uruguay situation is interesting because they seem to be the the team. Perhaps because they won the Olympics before, mm. uh, and and the other teams maybe were thinking it would be an interesting, good thing to do. Maybe with the exception of perhaps Argentina, mm. they were taking it really seriously. In fact, Uruguay took it so seriously. Yeah. But just before the first game, yeah. the goalkeeper who had won gold for them, the ninety twenty eight Olympics with them, mm. was dropped for breaking curfew by I think just a couple of minutes. That's right. I'm going to visit hotel. his wife, mm. and he never played for Uruguay again. Yeah. They, 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 even though he was like a decorated goalkeeper for them he missed out on a medal at this tournament but at yeah. least he had his Olympic one yeah, yeah. I mean yeah I mean, some of the attendances at the tournament were low I mean for um, you know 300 people turning up for, for Romania versus Peru lowest ever attendance for a World Cup match but the Uruguayans had uh, a lot of people going to watch them play as um, you would imagine in fact, before we move on on that Romania-Peru game uh, Peru's Palacio. Uh, Galindo became the first player ever sent off at a World Cup in that game. Uh, Made history. Um, And we quote from one of the reports, after a series of brawls and rough challenges, including one that broke one player's leg, he got a red card. I mean, we're we're presuming... that Ref, let it go. They let it go. The referee did that thing where he does the point to several different (laughs) sides on the pitch and then delivers the punishment. Where I come from, that's known as the Michael Brown. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, What did he get sent off for? Breaking a player's leg? No, it was persistent fouling, actually. (laughs) It culminated in that. You haven't talked about the Lucien Laurent scored the first World Cup goal as well. Yes, that's true. Um, I should, yeah, we should mention that. Uh, and he he's an interesting piece of trivia, Laurent, because he's, of course, French. Uh, and the French, uh, I think they timed it, and, the, and there were two games happening at the same time. Mm. And the French player scored a goal, I think, five or six minutes before a goal in the other game. So he was officially given it, yeah. uh, Lucien Laurent. But then he became, mm. he went on to be the only member of that original squad to see France lift the World Cup in 98. He was the only one still alive. That's lovely, I think that, he was yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. I think he was, it would have been in his 90s at the time. He died not long afterwards. Yeah. But isn't that interesting that he he's present in the very first World Cup and he sees France win it 68 years later. Yeah, yeah incredible. Um, some people may know Hector Castro. Yeah, uh, we covered him before back in the day, haven't we? We did, yeah. The one-armed man uh, who was played... It, was he a Dean Windass Hall of Famer? He, he was. was blimey, he was yeah. and is. Indeed, uh, <laughs> accidentally cut off his right arm, right arm with with a chainsaw when he was thirteen. What's he doing yeah. operating one of them? Yeah, I can't imagine there was that many chainsaws knocking about. But either or, I think it was it was listed at the, what I read as an electric saw. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, so I'm not sure it was. A, I don't know if it's a chainsaw or what, but it uh-huh. was. It was uh, the, the, the result speaks for itself. <laughs> Indeed, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was known as El Manco, the one armed. Um, Apparently, some parts of Uruguay that translates as the maimed. 
as oh, well. Oh, nice. I want to, yeah. yeah, the one armed is a bit nicer. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so so Uruguay, they they uh, they they beat everybody um, who uh, came before them. I, there was some questionable refereeing. Going back to your, your your point, Luke. Apparently, Yugoslavia, when they played them, had taken the lead and had a goal disallowed. Um, before two of Uruguay's first goals were given in dubious circumstances. Unfortunately, there were no homers at any subsequent World Cups. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. to go on, I say, yeah. That we, that, that we learned from that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Now, what is a tradition, I suppose you could say, in international football is even in 1930, the first ever World Cup, Argentina <laughs> were the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, police had to intervene after a violent scrap in one of their games against Chile. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, you just think that, like, again, there's this idea that back in the day that everything was a bit stayed, everything was a bit controlled, it was a bit calm, it was... Coppers getting I involved. I don't think that. I, <laughs> coppers getting involved. <laughs> I, I think that if you think of how different football was then, like the USA were pretty good. 
Um, you know, there was, well, no, England were just no. The USA were decent then. They did they did some good showings in the Olympics in the twenties. Okay. Oh, compete. World, is their best World Cup finish, isn't it? They got to the semi final of this World Cup. Nineteen fifty. No, 1950 they didn't get to the semi-final. They just beat England. They beat England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that Argentina are the constant that um, that, um, that that have always been like this because I think didn't, didn't an Argentina player like break a USA player's leg and then smashed four of his teeth out? Or all of that, all of that, yeah. and more. I mean, it's just ridiculous what happened with with Argentina. Um, so you talk. I think this is my favourite story from all of this, right? <laughs> so uh, against Argentina. <clears throat> um, they, uh, the US were playing Argentina in, in that semi-final and their physio was called Jack Cole and because of an Argentinian player knocking four teeth out of one of the Americans' gobs, yeah. right? the physio's like, well, I'm not having this. Yeah. I've, got, I've got to get involved in some capacity. So it runs onto the field to confront the referee, right? Trips up, smashes a bottle of chloroform in his pocket, fumes knock him unconscious, he has to be revived yes. and stretched off. <laughs> An <laughs> absolute <laughs> dignity-stripping moment. Keegan was around then. <laughs> 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 a dignity stripping moment. Like, just imagine that. He's just like, I'll oh, show him. What's happened? Like some in hospital. What's happened? Don't worry about him, lads. He'll knock himself out. Like, it's for him, like for, for everyone looking, they wouldn't necessarily know his crawl farm. What's going on? He would, yeah. he would start a really angry, start running, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just slip. I mean, it's, 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 he it's got great. so angry, he fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> just great stuff. Uh, yeah, the US did lose that game six one. We mm. should say um, on the uh, on the um, uh, Bolivia um, thing you mentioned earlier on about the caps. Yes. Um, they uh, did a couple of them did actually wear um, uh, berets uh, in, in the so match, cool. which is brilliant. Oh, she, and no, and no, also no, no. you'll notice that the Bolivian team have Viva Uruguay. Um, each player has a letter on on his chest. Um, it spells Viva Uruguay. Viva Uruguay, which God, is a lovely. Which That's is a good, lovely. There you go, Uruguay Viva. The Bolivia, uh, the Bolivia, the Bolivians are the best um, contributors to this. The, yeah. the spirit in which they've engaged upon. Well, I'd love an England shirt saying, "Come on, Qatar." But I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, with I'm not ban that protest, really. But I think <laughs> with some of the early World Cup, um, you know, well, some of the early World Cups and the Olympics and all, it's kind of like nation building for mm. for sort of so-called newer nations and all. It's a real identity kind of yeah, uh, for sure. Thing, but, like, you know. but like I said, Uruguay. Like in, in this period of time, and certainly this decade, yeah. like before, it was just warring factions and anarchy. And in and, and this decade, uh, they apparently really got their their, their shit together um, yeah. with the democratic process. Well, to a certain extent, sure. and 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 the middle class rose and stuff like that. So it's it's it was a real celebration of what yeah. it was to be from Uruguay. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think as well when you look at how this is just a complete step in the dark at the time. You know, mm. this doesn't have the meaning of the Olympics at the time because yeah. it's it's all completely yeah. new. And it's like the first couple of years of the, the European Cup. You know, this is why I guess you get that story about, you know, England being against the idea of, of, of this World Cup and that sort of gathering, um, that, that, that gathering legend because not everyone was on board with the first European Cup. And, you mm. know, Real Madrid, it kind of becomes their trophy because Santiago Bernabeu is one of the people behind building it in, mm. in, in, in the first place. But, you know, you need incredible additions of these tournaments yeah. for it to gather meaning. I mean, like the Nations League, isn't it, Marcus? Damn right. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> but also rivalries help with that kind of thing. Yes, of course. And the rivalry between Uruguay and Argentina was there in this it's, one. It's your, your perfect final for the first tournament. It is. Mm. Yeah, the two local teams. Yeah. Mm. Uh, who have taken it incredibly seriously. And who hate each other. Absolutely. Let's be absolutely yes. clear about yeah. it. They hate each other. And 90,000 people are in the stadium. You know, imagine, I mean, again, in like World Cups in, in all of our memories, I mean, even when you go back to 
1990, where there's a game with two of the smaller sides who don't take a lot of travelling fans, you'll still have a good few thousand there. Mm. Um, I think it's grown over since then, um, over the years of people just going to yeah. any World Cup game. You know, I think most World Cup games they might not sell out, but they'll they'll have a sizable crowd in there. Yeah. But you know, 300 people turned up to. Peru versus Romania, mm. and you think, well, there's not that much interest. Well, ninety thousand for, for, for and they for packed them in as well. I've seen the footage of the final. They <laughs> I mean, yeah, them in. officially ninety thousand. Yeah, there's definitely more than that mm. in there. But yeah, th- so and they hated each other so much. Get this, they couldn't even agree on which ball should be chosen for the game. So one ball manufactured in Argentina was used in the first half, and one manufactured in Uruguay was used in the second half. Which is interesting because Argentina go into half time two one up. Yeah, and then the ball gets changed apparently. And the Uruguay win 4-2. Mm. There was no way of gaming that, surely. <laughs> like, Remote control ball. Unless we're, yeah, I'm not really sure what, what that means. I, I mean, unless electric they were made, chainsaw inside. Unless they were made so differently that like, it felt genuinely different to be playing with it. Oh, well, they were used to playing with it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be standardised probably at that point. Mm. No, no. Interesting yeah. though. Well, um, I said that there would be another steamship story, party boat stuff. Mm. Well, apparently 15,000 Argentinians had headed to Montevideo uh, on board a steamship for the game, right? Come yeah. on, lad, we'll take the reinforcements. We'll, we'll show them. Um, however, and it's not that big a distance to go. It really mm. isn't. You could do it in a day trip. Due to heavy fog, the ship got lost and they arrived a day late. They discovered the score. <laughs> well, what else do you do? Rioted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were turned up. Well, well, we're here for the final. Oh, you lost 4-2. Right. <laughs> that's it shop windows the lot lads how, how do you get lost sailing from Buenos Aires it's to Montevideo well, it's just across a little stretch of water isn't I know it? but they must have just turned back and thought oh, we'll try again tomorrow or whatever well no they probably must have they just got lost they haven't done the test have you seen how, have you seen how narrow it's tiny yeah but we're like you're looking on a map really high sea in the sky f- but we're seafaring it's by only... 1930 was pretty good yeah but, you like, could, but the they clearly got lost in the fog is that the coast of Africa I think we better head back about a compass but but they clearly got a loss. I'm ju- I'm just saying that no. the technology wasn't there. They'd have GPS. And I'm saying they, they were poor have... sailors. Yeah. <laughs> well, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Uruguay. I mean, Uruguay. Imagine though turning up late. A big, massive army of them. Why are they Sorry, still buddy. going there? They know times passed. Well, uh, yeah. They're still going. Yeah, but you're saying the first. The, the they're Uruguay. going there to have a riot. I... <laughs> <laughs> the game's happened. I think that again, with communication as it was, with the organisation of this tournament, they've heard there's something happening. We'll arrive. It will be fine. Okay, no one's saying right on this day at this time. This is and this is not negotiable. It's happening then, and I thought they were. Ah, we'll have a go, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and they kicked off. Uh, but such was the magnitude of the game. Argentina's president was overthrown in a military coup that was sparked by Argentina's most diehard fans shortly after the defeat. Wow, that's incredible, incredible. isn't it? Love it. My, my favorite story coming out. Well, well, one interesting story coming out of it is a top scorer in the tournament was an Argentinian player. Yeah, Guillermo Stabile. Stabile. He scored eight goals in four games. Uh, and he only got his chance in because ahead of the second game, mm. Roberto Chero, the great Boca Juniors forward, mm. prolific goal scorer, um, you know, for, for Boca and the first choice striker for Argentina, had an anxiety attack on the eve of the game Blimey. and couldn't be roused to play. Mm. So Stabile had to play. Yeah. He never looked back, scored in every game um, in the tournament after that mm. and finished top scorer. But never played for Argentina again, I think, because he moved to Europe to play mm-hmm. and then had like a massive homecoming um, and went on to manage um, Argentina for 17 years in the yeah. 40s and the 50s. Which I thought was an interesting. Well, it is remarkable because, again, Very. I think that I'm, this is only my thoughts, but I could be the, the thoughts of others. 
sometimes there's a perception of it doesn't mean as much back then. And I think that sometimes when you see the players, maybe not footage from this tournament, but people don't celebrate goals like they, they do now. There's not no, a, it's a handshake, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think the, yeah. the, the, the stuff that you look to for indicators on how much passion or how much feeling there was in the game, it's not as obvious in terms of the playing. But when you hear, you know, that was the Argentina's president was overthrown, the Uruguayan consulate in Buenos Aires was stoned and diplomatic ties were cut for a short time. <laughs> you know, your man there had... An excuse, a, though. Yeah, well, yeah. too, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that was nothing to do with the football. Um, uh, and football has always had such an incredible... Um, place in people's hearts, you know. Yeah, and also when 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 a tournament like this happens, they don't decide the day before to do it. Yeah. You know, mm. it's the result of a groundswell of of feeling and thinking, yeah. and you know the, the the people who are involved. It's it's hugely important, to we, them. We saw especially this in the film, for the Uruguayans. We saw this in the film United Passions. Oh my god! Here we so, go. The FIFA yeah. film, which you, you'll you'll either have heard or ha- will be hearing soon on this uh, very short. If that film came out at the same time, it would never have taken off. <laughs> no, um, so. there's, there's a great um, YouTube comment on the video of the final on yeah. FIFA's mm. official YouTube channel, uh, where someone's put. Penaldo. I remember. Fraud. Fraud. (laughs) One arm fraud. Uh, (laughs) I remember Grandpa broke down in tears during this match when Argentina lost to Uruguay, and words just can't describe the amount of joy on his face when we witnessed Argentina winning the World Cup in 2022. I don't think that happened. (laughs) I think a rudimentary understanding of mathematics and how human beings age mean that almost certainly did not happen. And it also completely ignores the fact that Argentina won the World Cup in 1978 and 1980 anyway. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. (laughs) But one thing is for certain, the the game didn't have the money back then that it does now. And so that's why when Uruguay won the World Cup, every member of their squad was given a plot of land and a new house. That's great. Lovely. Yeah. On the same street. These days players wouldn't want it. To say sorry for not having Mark Goldbridge commentate over the top of it on YouTube. (laughs) I cannot believe that's (laughs) Um, Did you say the house was on the same street? No, I'm just saying it would be nice if it was. Sesame Street. It's the World Cup Street. World Cup Winners Street. That'd be brilliant. Gold Street. Street. Yeah, that'd be so <laughs> That's good. fantastic. Yeah. You like that? There yeah. we are, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us on another Football Ramble Guide too. Remember, there's a whole host of Ramble Guides you can listen back to from throughout the season and we want your ideas for what to talk about next. Email us, shutfootramble.com or tweet us at Football Ramble with your suggestions. There we are. Thank you, Andy, Pete and Lukey and thank you, Uruguay. See you soon, everybody. Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 